We are in a series called Walking Like Jesus, and if you're just here today, I have to tell you, you, you came in on the last part of the series. This is lesson number five in a five-lesson series where we are examining the Sermon on the Mount, and we're endeavoring to not only look at our calling and our behavior and our walk, but we're looking to look at how Jesus called us to rise above just being religious people and start being gospel good and start applying what he wants us to apply in our personal spiritual relationship with the Lord. Uh, this is, as we said, the series on the Sermon on the Mount with is in Matthew chapter five through seven. You'll want to turn there in your Bibles uh, to be ready. We're going to be in Matthew chapter seven today. And to remind you again, our theme verse for this series is first John chapter two, verse six. Where the apostle of love says, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And you think if, if someone was to ask you, are you a Christian? A saying, yes, you're a Christian doesn't matter as much to Jesus as much as whether you do what he said to do. And we're going to look at that today. We have covered four topics uh, thus far, walking boldly, understanding that we are blessed and because we're blessed, we can be the salt and the light. Then we're called to walk faithfully, which means that we're called to just go beyond what was what you've heard it was said, but uh, aspire to what Jesus called us to. But I tell you, uh, then we're called to take off the mask and walk consistently, not be hypocritical, not have one face on here and one face on the rest of the week, but to take off the mask, to be consistent through and through. And finally, to walk securely in him, not to put our trust in our treasure on earth, but only treasure in heaven, which is people and souls. Worry about today, not tomorrow. Work on yourself instead of everyone else and trust your father instead of him. And today we are going to uh, talk about the fifth lesson, walking wisely. The story is told of a grandfather and a grandson who uh, were getting ready to leave on a journey. And so they both got into the grandfather's old pickup truck and they shut the doors, buckled up, started the car. Grandpa was driving with his hand over the wheel as they drove down the old dusty road in that old pickup truck. As they crested over the top of the hill, they noticed something there on the side of the road it was a deer carcass. And the grandson had never seen this side before. He was very young. And, and so as they got closer to it, he said, Granddad, what, what is that? And the grandfather, with the wisdom of the ages, looked at his grandson and then looked ahead and kept driving and said, A poor choice, son. A poor choice. We're talking about wisdom today, and uh, one of the parts of walking wisely is the understanding wisdom is the ability to make the right choice. Well, that sounds good, uh, but wisdom is not something that can be rushed or hurried. It's something that comes with time. Knowledge can be learned, but wisdom is earned. There's only really two ways to get wisdom, and that is, number one, to trust in the wise. If you see anybody who's successful and you, you say, I want to be successful like that. For example, if you see a wealthy person and they've not just like get rich quick, but really wealthy and blessed and got rich slow over a lifetime, they've been very successful. You would be wise to sit down with them and say, tell me, what do you do? How did you get to where you are? 
That's a, that's a wise thing to do. If you want to be healthy, let's say that you, you are overweight and you, you desire to be more healthy than you are. What you need to do is go find a skinny person. And after you tell them how much you hate them, you need to say, tell me how you do it. Tell me what you do. Not just a skinny person, but a healthy person. And they'll tell you generally, I eat less and I exercise more. Now, wisdom means that we learn to trust the wise. We, we do what successful people do. We, we implement their advice because it works, because it's the right thing to do. The second way to earn wisdom is not just to trust the wise, but to study the fool. Sometimes people, people have a, every person, I believe, has a purpose in life. Uh, sometimes your purpose in life is to be a warning for other people. To simply say, this is not what you should do. That's, that's a foolish thing to do. We've all been foolish at one time or another. We can all look backwards in our life and say, oh, oh, the foolish choice that I made at that point, right? Now, if you, if, for a while, um, we think about wisdom, we think just about the idea of, of knowledge. But wisdom is really applied knowledge. So if we will study the wise, if we will trust the wise or study the fool, then we will learn to grow wiser. Most mornings I take Tyler to school. And on our way to school, part of our morning ritual is to take a verse and just talk about it a little bit. And we have often opened to the book of Proverbs. And in Proverbs, you find an entire book full of these very two things. Trust in the wise and study the fool. And when you'll do that, you'll learn to get wisdom. The message of Proverbs is get wisdom. And I love it in particular because when I'm doing this with Tyler, Proverbs is written as a father to a son. And what's happening here? I mean, what is all parenting about? What is the most frustrating thing? I'm always having a continual conversation or an argument with a younger version of myself. The father in Proverbs is saying, get wisdom, get wisdom, though it costs you all you have. Get understanding. Why? Because he, he wants his son to have a blessed life, to not have to learn from the fool's way, but instead just to trust in the wisdom of God. And so when we trust the wise or study the fool, we can learn a lot and grow more wise. But being wise means you have to make a decision. You all will remember the great theologian, Indiana Jones. In his movie, The Last Crusade, there is that scene as they've gone through this whole adventure on the search for the Holy Grail. And he's gone through all of these various tasks and obstacles and puzzles. And he finally gets to that last final room. And there in the room is a, an old knight who has been guarding the cup and, and as has been generations of knights, and they have guarded the cup. But the, the room is, doesn't just have one cup. It contains what? Many cups, right? And, of course, the bad guys catch up to Indy, and they want the Holy Grail as well. And so they go around the room, and, and the bad guy finds this cup that is the most ornate, exquisite, beautiful cup. And he said, this must be it. And he chooses that cup, and he goes over, he dips it in, takes a drink, and he's just obliterated. And the old knight wisely said, he chose Poorly. And Indy looks around now with a, a much more serious choice. He knows it's life or death. And he, he looks 
around and he, he looks at the ornate cups and the exquisite cups and the expensive cups. And there in the back he sees what he terms a carpenter's cup. A very simple, unelaborate cup. And he takes the cup and now's the moment of truth and he dips it in the water and he drinks. And the knight says, you, you have chosen wisely. Scriptures tell us over and over again, not just to choose the right cup, but to choose the right life. Choose wisely. For Indiana Jones, choosing wisely once, that makes for a good movie. But for us, choosing wisely daily means a beautiful, blessed eternity. So now if you're in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, let's read what Jesus told us to do in Matthew chapter 17, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says here, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. But only a few find it. The first way Jesus calls us to walk wisely is by choosing the right path. He says there's two paths and there's two gates. And I have a feeling, in my mind at least, as I picture those two paths, the, uh, the wide gate and the wide, broad road and the small gate and the narrow road, that they look very similar starting out. But the problem is, is that the small, narrow path, very few people are taking it. Wisdom means taking the road less traveled. Taking the road... That the crowd is avoiding. If you think about what Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Horribly politically incorrect that Jesus guy was. But he just lays it out. There's only one way to the Father. And it's through Jesus Christ. If you're a guest here this morning, I want you to know that. We want you to know Christ because he is the only path. He is the only way to the Father. So then we are presented here, as Jesus describes it, with two paths to choose from. One path is easy now. It's popular now. It's the conventional wisdom. But this path leads to a much harder and more destructive end. How often has we watched someone go down the broad path And with tears pleaded for them, please change your path. You're on the way to destruction. The other path then is hard now. You need to understand that Jesus is the way. Jesus didn't say, I am the easier way. He just said, I am the way. We got to understand that when we choose to follow Christ, he never said it would be easy. He never said it would be trouble free. He never said it would be without difficulty. He never said that following me excuses you from all the troubles and trials and difficulties of life. He simply said that when those things happen, you have a hope beyond those things. One path is hard now and not many may take it. And the more you follow him, the farther away from them you'll go. But it leads to a much better destination. Let's go to the second scripture where we're in Matthew chapter 7. Now we're going to look at verses 15 through 20. Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? 
Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree cannot bear bad fruit. But a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruits, you will recognize them. So it's not just about choosing the right path. Secondly, Jesus calls us to walk wisely by following the right leaders. If you want to walk wise, you've got to learn to follow someone who's wise. You've got to learn to follow someone who's doing the right thing for the right reason. I've told you before, my grandmother owned an orchard uh, in her later years, and she and her husband would uh, uh, work in that orchard uh, all year long. But there was a time of the year when all the trees looked alike. You couldn't tell the Jonathan tree from the Granny Apple tree. From You couldn't tell the Golden Delicious from the Red Delicious tree. You couldn't tell a healthy tree from a sick tree. The only time you could tell that is when the fruit came in. Around springtime when the buds began to blossom and the tree began to show the result of the life on the inside. And that is what Jesus is calling us to think about here at who we Follow two trees yield two different results. One leads to death. One leads to life. Uh, Leaders are the same way. How do we tell? We said last week, Matthew chapter seven, the world loves Matthew seven, verse one, because it says, do not judge. Right. No, that's not what it says. The world looks at Matthew seven, one a and says, oh, well, just unscrew head, take out brain. Now you can be a Christian. Never make a moral judgment. There is no such thing as right and wrong. How dare you judge me? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You've got to listen here. There's sheep out there and there's wolves out there. And you've got to know the difference. And how do we know? Because we look at the fruit of their lives. This is why we talk about choosing elders and deacons. We got lists and things. Not so much for the list themselves, but what we're really looking at is the fruit of their life. Are these men worthy of following and are they do their lives match up with their their talk? Wisdom means paying attention to the fruit of the tree, not just the tree. Good fruit is evidence of wisdom and righteousness. Psalm chapter 1 verse 9 compares a, rightful, a righteous man to a fruitful tree. He says he is like a tree planted by streams of water who yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Now understand for a second, that tree, he's planted by streams of water, doesn't mean that tree's not seen some storms and some dry spells and some difficulties and some insects and all of that. It means that there's enough life going on from within, enough roots digging down below, that the tree is going to live no matter what happens on the outside. He'll just continually keep being fruitful, keep giving off fruit, keep being, keep growing Good fruit is evidence of the connection to the true vine. I'm the true vine, John, Jesus said in John 15:5. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I have these, uh, I have these rose bushes in the front of my house. Um, I don't mistake, They're, they look like a rose bush. They are in reality a tool of Satan. They are horrible. They, they are terrible. They'll tear you up. But as I prune those back every now and again, sometimes you'll take a, t- a rose tine and you'll, you'll clip it. Now the rose still looks alive, but the moment I cut it from the source, it's dead. It's already dying. 
doesn't matter what I do with it or where I put it, it's, it's dying if it's not connected to the vine, if it's not connected to the, the tree. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing of value. You may do lots of things that look real good, but you are dead if you are not connected to me. So fruit shows us the, the evidence of wisdom and righteousness. It shows us the evidence of connection to the true vine. And it shows us that we're ruled by the Spirit. If you're in Galatians 5, if you're a Bible turner, go to Galatians 5, verses 19 through 23. Now, you know verses 22 and 23 because it's the fruit of the Spirit. And, uh, of course, Charles did it, so I guess I can do it. But the fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. The fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. If you've got a banana, well, you might as well eat it, because it's not a fruit of the Spirit. fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's fruit. The little song teaches little children that there's a difference between fruit and Temperament, different between fruit and how the spirit rules your life. What he's saying there is that there is some things you look for in a spirit governed person. You see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Now, if you're in the verses previously, verses 19 through 21, it talks about bad fruit. The fruit that the results of a life that is not controlled by the spirit Immorality, impurity, idolatry, fits of rage, selfish ambition, factions, envy, and so forth. That doesn't make such a cute song. But Jesus, the Spirit, reminds us that there's good fruit and bad fruit. So follow the leaders bearing the right kind of fruit. For they have a shepherd's heart and not the heart of a wolf. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23 now. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons in your name, perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This verse should be very scary to religious people because Jesus calls us to walk wisely by knowing the right Lord. It's one thing to say you know Jesus. It's an entirely different thing to know Jesus. And there's a difference. And, and though good works will manifest themselves in the fruit of your life, Don't think that you can have the fruit of your life unless your tree has firm roots and is nourished well. Do you you know Jesus? Or do you just know about him? The better question is, does he know you? When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and Sadducees, He's saying something. It's not just that Jesus, Jesus, listen, Sermon on the Mount is not Jesus saying, here's the world and how terrible they are. And here's the people who follow me. No, many times he's looking at religious people and saying, listen, it's more than what you know as religion. It's about relationship. Do you know me on that final day when you are called to give an account of your life? 
and you stand before the throne, will Jesus look at you and say, this one is mine. I know him. I know her. We talked every day. She read my letter to her, and and she not only read it, she did the things which I asked him to do. What kind of relationship do you have with Jesus? He would later say in Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? Eh, This is something that parents know, but many times a parent will say something over and over and over again, and your child says, I know, I know, I get it. Yeah, you know, but you're not doing it. I know you have an intellectual understanding that your brain processes that on some level, but I need you to do it. I know you know that I want you to pick up your room, but it's not just an intellectual discussion. I want you to pick up. I don't know why that's so difficult. Sometimes I wonder then if God doesn't feel the same of us. We, we know what he says to do. We memorize it. We, we center ourselves around the teaching of it. That's good. But what Jesus calls, to, calls us to is not just the knowing, but the doing. Listen, Psalm, Psalm chapter 100 and verse 9. Here, you guys, youth group right here. You guys turn to it. Psalm 119 verse 9. Go ahead, flip there on your phone quickly. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man... Keep his way pure. Are you there yet? Psalm 119 verse 9. All right. Tell me, what does it say? How does a young man keep his way pure? By what? By living according to your word. It doesn't say by memorizing the word, not filling out the handout about the word, not just paying attention or trying to pay attention to when the guy's preaching, but living according to the word. Hear me now. He's speaking to you through the Spirit. Don't just know the Word. Do it. Walk out of here and say, I'm going to change this about my life. I'm going to start doing what I'm not doing. I'm going to stop doing what I shouldn't be doing. It's not about knowing. It's about doing. You want to keep your way pure? You want to protect your life? You want to live the way of the wise man? Then stop knowing. Start doing. Start living according to the word. I can pick on the teenagers because, well, I just do that and they know I do that. But let me pick on you. Stop. Stop just listening to the word. Start doing what it says. You know, the Bible says don't listen to the word. It really does. Go ahead. Turn to James chapter 1 verse 22. James 1 verse 22, get in there, because it's funny how the Bible says to not listen to what the Bible says. The brother of Jesus, inspired by the Spirit, says, do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. It is amazing. You know how much money and time we put into making sure that you can hear the word? We've got, we put, I mean, lots of money into this auditorium so you could, it's got, you know, the and everything. We've got the speakers and the microphones. Uh, we've got special listening devices so you can hear the word. We put it out on podcasts and live streaming and make sure there's tons of different ways that you can hear the word. We've got hundreds of ways to hear it, but there's only one way, indeed only one person 
who can make a difference in the doing it. Don't just hear, do. Don't just know, but apply. Last one, Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is a fool who builds his house on sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. That song, when Charles led it, just got to me because... The scripture reminds us that there's two types of people. And those two types of people are here in this room. These are not two types of people who are out there in the world who don't care about God. These are two types of people. Both of them hear the word of God. But one group of you will build upon the word of God. And the other group will just walk out and say, boy, that was a good sermon. I hope I download that on the podcast. It's not about just hearing, it's about building. You've got to build in the right way. And Jesus warns you got to build because there's a storm coming. And, and if you've been through a storm, you know what the storm's like. And if you're in the storm, you know what the storm's like. You don't prepare for the storm in the storm. You prepare for the storm before the storm. But Jesus says a storm is coming. A great wind and a beating rain is going to beat against the house of your life. And the only house that stands is the life that's built on the rock, not the sand. Don't just build your life on the the here today, gone tomorrow. Build on the rock of Jesus' teaching because... A storm is coming. Talk to the blocks. Talk to the Oakleys. They will tell you about a storm that is coming. And you can do nothing about it except making sure that your house is built solidly. Because when it comes, the only thing that you can do is hunker down and pray. And hope that you have built on the rock Build on the rock because the rains will come down and the floods will come up. Will your house stand only if you build the right way? Wise people and foolish people both hear the words of Jesus, but only wise people put them into practice. We don't change the world by going to church. Now, going to church is not a bad thing, but it won't change the world. What will change the world is by being the church. 
which leads us to do what the church does. Let's start having less Bible studies and more Bible doings. Let's listen to the Word of God and apply it. Knowing your salt and light means nothing unless the salt gets out of the shaker and the light goes out in the darkness. Knowing you should forgive your enemies is a wonderful thing, but it means nothing until you forgive them and pray for them. Don't listen to the word merely and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Satan does not care this morning. If you can hear the sermon, he doesn't care if you filled out the outline perfectly. He doesn't care if you read your Bible. He doesn't care if you come to church. What bothers him is when you begin acting like it. When you begin doing like Jesus called you to do. So Jesus calls us then to walk boldly, to walk faithfully, to walk consistently, to walk securely, and to walk Wisely, Only by following in his steps can we truly walk like Jesus. Walking like him means that we know him and that we do what he says. We're going to sing a song called Trust and Obey. Now you can trust Jesus all you want, but it means nothing until you obey. And that means if you're ready to become a Christian, you can know that it means you need to repent and believe and be baptized. But that means nothing until you step down front so you can step up in to the water. Or if you're a Christian, but you haven't been acting like it, you need to not just trust Jesus, but obey. If you have any need this morning, please come as together we stand and sing.